0: Hey Diamond Dogs! Welcome back to the Ford Operating Base, Hatsune Miku's Crackhouse, Episode Nineteen. I'm your host, as always, Sam Kazuhira Kingma, and with me is my best friend and co-host, Big Boss himself, Punished Miles J. Boss. What the fuck's going on this week?
1: It's been a weird. It's been a weird two weeks. It's been a weird two weeks because we haven't recorded. We we did the entirety of the Nintendo bracket in a run, a single run, seven
0: hours, seven straight hours of deliberation. So there was, so I I think I cut out between the two parts. I think I cut out between like breaks we took in the middle of the show to like r- random two minute asides that didn't go anywhere that yeah. had nothing to do with the bracket. Basically, I'm like, this is too long. Anything that has nothing to do with the bracket is getting exiled. is getting axed. I'm putting a stop to it. Uh, <laughs> cat, yeah, I, I,
1: oh, can I just, can I say something? I was at, uh, I actually left the quarantine bubble to visit some friends of mine, um, okay. who all kind of live in the same apartment, so we all knew everyone was good, no one was sick, um, and I actually, I, I realized that crack house has ruined my life because Why? we were joking around, and at one point someone said something, and I said, a cast zap exiled to the fourth dimension! And they were like, Bro, what? What does that mean? And I was like, oh, no, dude, the memes. <laughs> yeah.
0: well, my dreams to... are memes. See, the, the beautiful thing is is that I, I've built my personal brand. I've built my whole, like, my, my PPR, my personal and professional reputation about just making in-jokes so fast that only I will find remotely humorous. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm going to keep that. I'm going to keep that zap joke because that it, it always makes me laugh. It, it, it's just, it's so extreme. You're not dying. No, and you're not, you're getting exiled, <laughs> exiled. The to dimension. the fourth dimension. That shit's tough. That shit, that would suck.
1: It's like the end of Ocarina of Time when Ganondorf's floating in the void. Like, that's just what I yeah. picture.
0: <laughs> exactly, exiled. But now, I, I did want to say this. I wanted to give both of us, and as well as Tom from last week, uh, a couple, two, last two weeks, a lot of credit. We recorded a month's worth of shows in a single day. Right. Because average show length for us is 90 minutes, and we recorded for about seven hours. So we recorded well over four shows. So you got, like, four shows in, like, two weeks. I know I know. Tom's
1: time ran into about, like, 1 to 2 a.m., right? Like, it was, oh, yeah. it was like, late for him by the end of it.
0: Yeah, it was, hell, it was even, like, late for me, too. I mean, I happened to come home today uh, at, uh, when I got off of uh, work and my uh, and my folks were like totally gone. So I was like, okay, don't know where the fuck they are right now. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but hey, I got the house to myself, so I can scream even louder. <laughs> even louder. Yeah, I got, I can- you know what?
1: I got the house to myself too. So let's 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 crack it, Samuel. Today is a good day for me. Today yeah. is a good day for me as the biggest fan of Metal Gear Solid Five: The Phantom Pain who has ever lived. You of your own accord, not because I made you. Started to replay MGs Five.
0: I want to just start off by saying this: Op- opening up the Steam, the Steam executable for Metal Gear Solid Five, had the equivalent struggle of like getting in the car to go to the gym. It's like, oh fuck! I know if I do this, like it's like this is it? Like this is a big decision. Like this is gonna affect the rest. I, like you know if I get in the car to go to the gym, I I'm I'm there. I'm I'm oh, more or less at the gym. The workout's been done because the hardest part is getting started, right? This has been the same case with Metal Solid 5 was I thought about it and then I'm like, oh man, Metal Solid 5 would be fun right now. And then I remember that opening is like super long and I'm like, I don't want to do that. I really, really don't want to do that. But I'm like, bite the bullet. Let's bite the bullet and let's just do it. And I'm playing through it right now and I feel like, I feel like I'm eating mad crow despite the fact that I've, I, I, I never hated this game. I played 50 hours of it when it came out when I was a, a freshman in college in 2015. I played, like, 50 hours. I beat the, the game. It might have even been longer than that. Maybe close to, it like, 60. It was 60. 50, I remember, at the time. Oh, okay. That's what I kept repeating, because I haven't played it since it came out back in September. I think it was September 15th. September 1st, 2015. September 1st, okay. September 15th is my uh, anniversary for uh, videos. Uh, September fifteenth, also the release date of
1: Undertale, I believe. September fifteenth.
0: Damn, twenty fifteen was a good fucking year. Twenty fifteen was nuts. Uh,
1: Bloodborne,
0: Witcher three. If you're me, uh, Splatoon five. Yeah.
1: splatoon uh what else even came out that year like oh yeah um i i think modern warfare 3 which is not big to us but it's massive to other people i think it's the yeah, best selling uh, world game.
0: war uh, um what the fuck was i going to say i said world war i was like no i was going to say hotline miami 2 wrong, wrong number wrong number hotline miami 3 wrong number <laughs> what if you had to give a subtitle to hotline miami 3 what would it be it has to be a phone pun
1: i i i would actually say um hotline miami 3 um operator
0: uh, operator what about what about missed call
1: I, I was thinking missed call but the reason I want to call it operator is because I want to get it back to just one character right okay we're not gonna we're not gonna do what holly me two did with you know with all these characters we're gonna do one character and the thing is he is the he is the guy who like directs all these phone calls and so he's like getting all these messages and he's gonna investigate.
0: What if it's like, oh, hold on. what if Endedaton uh, Games rises from the ashes? Cause they've been fucked nowhere. I yeah. think they made too much money and they fucked off. Uh, which well, could also, if good you've for ever them. seen the Hotline Miami documentary,
1: like they were like miserable. Like they, it's the Hotline Miami success actually sent them into a deep depression. It was nuts.
0: Yeah, I, I, honestly, that that's not, and that's not even like an that's so sad too because that's not even like an uncommon case. I'd say no. Yeah, Th- that like there are many places that I think that un just sort of you know spontaneous success like that. Can definitely fuck with someone if they're not ready for it. I mean, look at like Phil Fisher for example. Sir, sure, sir, sure. totally exiled himself to the fourth uh, from the games industry. But I, uh, I should watch the documentary. I had no idea there was a. It's Han really good. It's very good. Awesome. I, I fucking love Holly Mabey. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about the Phantom Pain. I want to just come on and say, so far, just for the for for my pain heads out there. I'm 20 I'm 24 hours in I'm cr- I'm like cruising but I'm like taking my sweet ass time I really went out of my way to grind up a couple of specific bases on mother base because there's a couple of upgrades I like really want before I do any like crazy main missions I think I just completed the mission 15 i uh, caravan. caravan yeah I just completed that uh, I told miles a whole crazy story I had and no, this game is, this game is fucking phenomenal with a lot of fucking caveats to that. Let me well, say certainly. this, like there's two, cause here's the deal playing through it. I'm like, Oh, I totally understand why miles loves this game. I totally understand why I loved this game then and love it now. But I also understand why there are many people who have significant issues with this game, because here's the deal. I'm really not that big of a metal gear guy. I like metal gear. Solid one. I grew to really love Metal Gear Solid 2 Sons of Liberty, but when Metal Gear Solid 5 came out, I only played the first one, and this was going to be my first new Metal Gear game that like, was coming out as I was getting ready and to play it. I was excited. it's the last
1: new Metal Gear game anyone will ever experience.
0: I'm sorry, did you not play Metal Gear Survive? I didn't, actually but uh also i looked up gameplay that it's like i'm sorry the, the fox engine cannot save this no they're like hey here, let's use a melee weapon the 90 of the game would like it's like okay this combat was not designed for a melee weapon but all right if you look at mel Gear solid five the phantom pain is like a metal gear game i know you have some problems with this game and i know other people have some problems with this game metal gear solid four guns of the patriots is what a majority of people see as the metal gear experience yeah hyper linear very cutscene heavy heavy very Action movie inspired
1: and and very game. very Kojima, very like weird dialogue and and like, yeah
0: and like they're like we it's like this like grounded war story, but also there's like a gas mask octopus man uh, with his tentacle arms,
1: weird Easter eggs, weird like and and things that are presented to you up front. Um, because I do want to talk about the Easter eggs in the Phantom Pain and how esoteric they are to find.
0: And and we'll we'll, we'll get there. We'll we'll get there because I got I got a lot to say, but I wanted to. I, i wanted to start off by saying like this like so far i'm I'm having a phenomenal time but like those feelings do not do not go unrivaled in terms of like caveats and stuff because I, I, they're definitely like in so far like the, the story i'm like i don't really like Skullface. i think he's just like kind of lame i don't hate keefer uh keefer sutherland's performance as venom snake I don't. I don't think he does like a. I don't think he turns into a bad performance. He just has like no script to do a performance of. Yeah, because he only he only opens his mouth once every twenty minutes with all the or at least how I've been playing it anyways. Except if he's yelling that fucking D horse to go do something. I will say
1: there. There's a lot of cut lines from like cut mechanics that have been like revealed. Like it seems like there was going to be a vomit mechanic of some kind. Oh, that would have been awesome! Yeah, there's like some kind of vomit line, and there's one where like if you're holding up an enemy and they get a radio call, he can tell you can t- uh, command someone to lie on over the radio.
0: Oh, so that okay? That's not in the game.
1: No, it's not.
0: Why was I under the impression I was gonna get a command to like call them uh, call them off? Was that a was that a Ground Zeroes? That mechanic? was
1: in that was in MGS three.
0: Oh, okay, okay.
1: But but he has the line reading for like when he's like lie to them is like
0: so good. <laughs> It's dope. Like, I like, I, I do like his performance for, like, what's there. I just, he he's just. Well, he's not, he's not David Hater. He's not David Hater. He's not as charismatic or, or, like, inherently interesting. He's just kind of like a blank slate. But that's fine because you are big boss. Whoa,
1: don't spoil the game.
0: <laughs> yeah, don't spoil the five-year-old fucking video game. That everyone was mad about, the twist everyone hated yeah i hated well, it at one point i i, I mean it i i still i still like i'm like mm, 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 i don't know about that one could kojima it's a, it's I don't a know weird about decision
1: um i i i don't want to turn this into the phantom pain cast because i have obviously a lot of thoughts and i should save them for i don't know some kind of like Really well edited, well thought out, scripted sort of thing. Maybe for an online platform, you know, where people can that upload houses things. videos that houses videos. Some it kind starts of starts uh... with a
0: daily, ends with emotion. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was about to say starts with a B, ends with a lip. <laughs> uh. <laughs> but, but like outside of like that, so like I, I can understand why people they're like. When they're playing Metal Gear Solid Five, they're like, "This this ain't Metal Gear." Like, it's the kind of like to bring it back to when we talked about Pikmin Two on the show, how we're like, "Ah, Pikmin Two like totally missed the fucking point yeah. on why people liked Pikmin One." I think there is like a very similar case you can make to like Metal Gear Solid Five, where like it really does kind of miss the point of of what people really liked about Metal Gear Solid the you know one through four. With that being said, the gameplay is so fucking good, it, like, kind of eclipses almost all the problems, right? I think so, yeah. I I mean, I think so, too. I mean, that's why it's so impressive. I mean, mean, as a pure gameplay experience, it's so good. And I I really had to think to myself, like, 20 hours into my my playthrough, I was like, okay, I, Sam Kingma, genuinely hate stealth in, like, 95% of video games. I think it's fucking trash. I hate that it's in everything. I hate that it's always a fucking option. I think it's lame. It's super boring. And it sucks most of the time. The only games prior to this that I really like stealth in was the Arkham games. Because of something we'll get to that Metal Gear Solid 5 The Phantom Pain also has. And it's that Metal Gear Solid 5 The Phantom Pain. You, I want to preface this with everyone you've been lied to. Everyone's been lied to. Metal Gear Solid Five is not a fucking stealth game. It is a game in which you you do not you do not achieve the goal of playing Metal Gear Solid Five when completing a mission is to not cause the enemies to go into a combat phase. That is your your goal while completing whatever the objective is is to not cause the enemies to go into a combat alert phase where everyone the reinforcements are coming in left and right you're you're basically fucked they'll never call it off your goal is to avoid that at all cost with that being said this is not a stealth game the the realistic rules of of what you and I would consider stealth does not apply in Metal Gear Solid 5 and once you realize that the game goes from s- still being by the way cuz you can play it kind of lame like you could play like your average stealth
1: game. Yeah, like like you you're, you're crawling most of the time, using the trank, and and that's all, that's people's complaint is the game is boring. I think it is because they're not expanding their idea of stealth, and also not expanding their idea of non lethal, which we will also that, get that, that's to. That's
0: sort of the thing. And, and to be fair, and, and to be fair, I had to be told most of this by you, but once I learned, oh. These aren't real guards. These are fake dumbasses <laughs> that work on very specific rules and the world is is controlled by very specific rules. Once you learn that the gameplay fucking ascends because you don't have to be fucking good to do mega goofy shit. My favorite thing I fucking do in this game. Like a couple one of the my favorite things I I've done It's just like, just toss a fucking smoke bomb in your car. And then you can just drive your car around an enemy base. And they won't cause an alert. Because the smoke coming off your car is like, oh, they can't see through the smoke. And you can just gun through a fucking outpost. In your jeep, going full fifty miles an hour, and that's hysterical. One of, one of my
1: favorite missions, actually, is over the fence mission five because oh I, oh that was a great mission. Yeah, and also because once the mission starts, there is a scripted car that comes in before you even get yeah. the ability to drop vehicles. There's a car that comes in, and you can you can take out the guy who's driving the car. You can hijack the car. And then you can use the smoke grenade, drive straight through the base, which has a road going through it, crash into the base where the prisoner is being held, take out one guard who is guarding the prisoner, or don't! You could, you could be clever like me and find a way to just distract him really hard. And then you can in the guy through the ceiling, exfiltrate out the other side,
0: and you'll just have, you'll run the mission in like a minute and a half. And it's amazing. And, and it's and it's fucking hist- and it's just hysterical. Another great great thing I've been doing at MLG: Solid 5 that's been a, a metric fuck ton of fun was what's that uh, what's the first mission? It's like it's with it's like missions like 6 through 10. It's one of those where there's a, a there's a caravan of two tanks and then a truck and you occupation have occupation to- forces. Occupation, occupation forces. Yeah. So basically what happens is you get you basically know the route that they're going down and you basically just have to take them out by any means necessary. Now, at this point in the game, you're pretty early on. You don't have a lot of great non-lethal options. So I was like, looking at all my shit, I'm like, well, what can I do to stop this caravan? And I'm like, oh, I got it. So I do is I'm like, all right, D horse, stand in the middle of the fucking road and don't move. Yeah, <laughs> I place C four all along the ground and just waited like fucking wily e. coyote with me- immense anticipation as the tank rolls up and stops because D horse is in the road, and I just go boom <laughs> and it blows up. Now was D horse too close to the C four? Yeah, kind of fucked up there. But D-Horse is
1: invincible is the thing.
0: Yeah, D-Horse yeah, D-horse will like die and Kaz will be like, don't let your buddy die out there. Oh, No, thing. he won't. But he's you can he's
1: coming can, back. He no, he won't. He actually cannot die. He cannot be called out of the field. He's invincible.
0: <laughs> oh, I don't think I don't think you've done enough damage to D-Horse.
1: Uh, if there if there is enough damage that can be done, I haven't done
0: it yet. Cause I think what happened was he got I blew up the tank with the C four, and then the other tank behind him shot a D horse. And I, don't know, I And I go no armor D horse. Th- he doesn't need that shit. Like no, not I don't at need all. that fucking shit. Um, but but like that that was like fucking super goofy. And then what I did was uh, it was like because you just had to extract the guys. I was like fuck. Like I don't know what to do from here. So I just like I'm like all right. Fuck it. Chucked the, chucked the a couple frags in the back of the truck. And it exploded. It's like, great job, boss. It's like, all right, sick, sick. I'll come back later to do it the do it the non-lethal way. Yeah. Which is which is the best part. Yeah. That's just why this game is like fucking fun is because first of all, is there any like in the last half a decade or I should say technically since 2015 since 2015 when this game came out, has there been another third person action game? where the protagonist controls better than Venom Snake. Not I don't think so. There's I'm like really racking my brain. He's like maybe like the only thing that I think possibly touches touches it is like Death Stranding, which but yeah. I haven't which cuz Death Stranding uh, or Sam Porter I should say, controls very similarly to venom snake as in they have very they have the same level of like sense of weight
1: yeah i think the, so the thing is that the game both games have a center of balance where th- all of their weight is in their core and the game designs their movement around that core weight so yeah, death like, stranding
0: especially so death stranding makes takes uh makes mechanics out of it
1: yeah um and and so that that's kind of the thing is that venom snake leans in with his core everything that you do is like Coming from the literal center of the screen which which makes him feel like Everything in the game world is moving with him as opposed to like there's a camera and then there's you every every time you dive, For example like the camera jumps forward with you as opposed to remaining at the same thing Like when you crouch the camera moves in on you the game is centered around venom snakes core and and that's what makes it so much like fun To control him because all of the weight of the game is around his core all the camera controls are around his core all these vehicles actually kind of drive around his core as weird as that sounds like i I mean even d horse like
0: yeah yeah oh yeah and and it's and it's uh and it's fucking great like like it just is so much fun to play that's why like even if you play it which to be fair like that's how I, i i did it like my first run through all those years back was you know played it pretty standardly just doing simple you know simple stealth shit you know sneaking around you know tranking where i can and just and just making the most of my situation and then whip out the fucking gun when i get caught like or whip out the assault rifle when i get caught you know very simple and you could play like that and you will and it will still be better than by the way every single stealth game to come out which which is funny since in
1: prior there are people who talk about like dark souls where it's like all you do is is you mash the sword button like there's no interesting options like a very similar thing where, where i i call that a raw build People people get into a raw build, where they get their starting weapon, and they play with that the entire time, their starting armor, play with that the entire time, and they never get out of that. And there there are people who never get out of this idea of like, oh, well, I have all these other options, but I just point and shoot with the trank, and that's intuitive and easy for me to do, so I'm just gonna do it. And I'm gonna say outright, this game tries to deal with that in ways that are fair to the player, because they're not gonna just completely make it a worthless option. There is no worthless options in the game. Um, but yeah. also in a way where where if you want to do that, your life is going to be a lot more miserable, and you're going to have a lot less fun. And if you're willing to brute force that, like then fine, the game did everything it could. And and because uh, because like obviously enemies start developing body armor and helmets, and the shots that you have to make to hit them in the head require you to be facing them and require you to hit a very specific part under the helmet, which always. Kind of like goes above the brim of it, so you have to shoot yeah, you lower can st- than you can used to. You can still do
0: it; it just gets a little dip more challenging. Yeah. yeah,
1: and then and then certain enemies will eventually get face mask, like full like face gear, headgear, yeah, helmet. Yeah, where
0: you can't even you do you that have anymore. to hit them in
1: the face. Like, there's no other option. Uh, and then there's a point where they will get a helmet with no visor, so you can't even hit them at all. And they'll get like a riot suit. Um, and and they're pretty like reasonable about how many enemies on the map have the riot suit. Or they'll, like, put down a sniper or, like, a shotgun enemy. Like, they, they do as much as they can to make to make your life more complicated. So you have to make your own strategies more complicated. And there is one decision I find really odd, though, in that. The response system is really smart. But for some reason, they decided that gas masks should be tied with what's called combat readiness, which is enemies who have more weapons and who are more prepared to handle uh combat scenarios and who who have more advanced combat tactics like blocking off entrances getting on mortars uh having shotguns and for some reason instead of having like a separate like smoke grenade sleep grenade stun grenade thing like grenade readiness they just give them gas masks super early in the game uh even before you have sleeping like apnea based like weapons yeah uh, So I don't I don't know why they did that, but otherwise that that, I think that system is really, really smart and very uh, measured.
0: Yeah, it's it's so it's so great. Like the, the, the so far, the only like enemy type I've had like significant issues with is like our snipers. Uh, helicopters too i would say yeah helicopters are also pains in the asses because i'm not carrying my fucking grom 11 with me everywhere i go yeah at least not not on this not on these runs so whenever i see one i'm like fuck in my experience they usually have at least
1: one enemy who has a rocket launcher on them though which i love
0: although there was there was only one mission where i like really struggled it was a mission 12 which even you said sucked. that's a terrible mission you gotta rescue huey and here's the deal I just like was I just did not have a good loadout for it. I think if I came in with like a better loadout and D-Dog because <laughs> I totally forgot I had him at that point. Yeah, I think D-Dog
1: is pretty essential because that base is kind Dude, of a mess.
0: D-Dog is D-Dog's busted. D-Dog is mad busted.
1: I, I will say this, though. I think D-Dog actually loses a lot of his points for a couple of reasons. He's an AI and he's uncooperative as opposed to D-Horse and uh, Quiet who, and D-Walker, who you're in complete control of. D-Dog is also not conspicuous, like D-Horse. So, if D-Dog is around, he'll like bump into enemies, which causes them to like turn around, they might see you. So, the, the, that's kind of how they balanced him, is, is making sure that you don't have complete control of him. He doesn't always listen to you. He's not always able to hear you. Um, yeah, which I, I think they, is really cool, because otherwise... I, I like it.
0: He, feel, yeah. he, he comes off like a fucking real animal.
1: Yeah, it's great. And otherwise, like, his his... His thing is that he marks enemies, but he can't do a whole lot more than that.
0: Yeah, but, like, damn, he's really good at his job. <laughs> he's really good.
1: Once Quiet gets the scout option, which I actually think she might which start Which you with. get from the beginning. Yeah, yeah, you get it from the beginning. Like, you might as well never use D-Dog again. Because, like, Quiet hard marks enemies so that you can see them before they even come into view. And once she's done marking them, she'll immediately take up point and, and start sniping for you.
0: Yeah. Although quite quiet's a bit of a bitch for me right now. I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to grind out her, her, her bonding points yeah. until she gets the, 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 the tranq rifle because like I'll get caught by an enemy and she'll just fucking kill him in the reflex mode. It's like, no bro, I, I got the trank It was all a part of my master plan. Yeah. I totally caused reflex mode on purpose. Please don't shoot. Please do not shoot unless I do. And then whenever I need her to fire, she's always nowhere. She's always like off somewhere. You have to you have to
1: constantly like ask her to readjust positions depending on where you are.
0: Yeah, she I think it might have been because she doesn't have the uh, a suppressor yet. That, like, all the enemies just start shooting at her, so she runs, and (laughs) I'll be like, quiet, please, please, the skulls are after me! I need you to get them off my back so I can exfiltrate the hot zone! And she's just nowhere to be gone, I'm like, fuck! So so she's been a pain in the ass. I have sadly not gotten a chance to go back to my number one favorite boy, D-Walker, yet. I have not gotten a chance to try him. I'm really fucking excited. I just haven't found a mission yet where it's like, it's D-Walker time! There's a couple missions I can recommend for D-Walker. D-Walker is just, like, mad fucking goofy. Just, just, it's fucking fucking D-Walker. Oh,
1: can I, can I, I forgot to tell you, uh, one trick for D-Walker is, if you're using the driving mode, and you creep on the control stick, he's completely silent.
0: Yeah, that's, ooh, ooh, that's, that's good. Yeah, no, you can,
1: you can literally, like, drive around with the man, completely quiet, no one's gonna know he's there, it's great.
0: Yeah, there's some like, and I was like kind of looking, and I mean, like, wh- one thing I will say, it's like, it is like a bummer, is I really do wish that there were even more non-lethal options because I I'll go into the menu, uh, I'll will ju- go into t- t- I'll go into the menu, and I'm like, oh wow, look at all these cool, you know, look at all these cool shotguns, and then there's one <laughs> that shoots out air. <laughs> Which I, I, I built it. I'm, I need to try it. My thing is, it's that my thing is like with most guns, ideally in MGS5, mo- with, with most firearms, you ideally want it to have a suppressor and you want it to be ide- more ideally some kind of non lethal weapon. Simply because there's a reason to not kill your enemies, as you can Fulton them to your base and make them a part of your, your army. And uh, you want to suppress her because fucking one bullet goes off and the uh, enemies start freaking the fuck out. They start having a fucking panic attack. Like, someone's on the base! We are an unidentified gunfire! Uh, You know, crazy-ass motherfuckers. So you don't want to do that. And I feel it's like, right now, it's like, shit, like, I I haven't gotten rid of the base assault rifle yet. Cause I'm like, there's, I, I'm looking at this list. And I'm like, there's nothing here where I'm like, yeah, clearly superior to what I have now.
1: Yeah. There's no reason to ever like use any other kind of hip weapon though. I will say the double barrel shotgun is, does stupid good damage against the skulls. You can like
0: kill them in one shot. Ooh, I might, uh, I remember from my original playthrough, there's a, there's a mission where you fight like 40 of them. Uh, you fight, you only fight four at a time, but,
1: but they're all nightmares to fight all at once.
0: Oh, okay. It might've been like a variant or I I just remember there was a moment you're, you're like on a base.
1: Yeah. You're at Nova Braga airport. There's only four of them though. Um, so you don't have to worry about that, but it's, it's still, it's still really difficult.
0: Oh, okay. I just remember like, I was doing crazy shit. I was like calling in D Walker. I was calling in resupplies. I was calling in for air, (laughs) air strike. I've never called in an airstrike on them. I should try that. Be fun. Oh, oh, calling it airstrikes is is like the fucking coolest shit because it's just like, all right, like, <laughs> let's do it. But yeah, also, I've bought the new helicopters as they've come out. However, it still says that the first one's equipped. How do yeah, I you have to go into ones? the
1: customize menu and and customize your helicopter
0: and oh, then select to, to the later the ones. faster model. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That explains it because I was like, man piquot or whatever the fuck his name in his shirt taking his sweet ass time
1: the game doesn't want to force any upgrades on you which is why they always give you an option like if you're using a lesser upgrade it'll say beforehand hey there's a better version of this if you want to use it uh, yeah. and you can just say no especially because if you start bringing everything you're going to be wasting resources and money that you might not even need like you you should not bring e-
0: like the entire kitchen sink yeah and it, and it's funny because you really want to you really want to but like, there's a plenty of missions where it's like, yeah, you know, I really don't. Because there's like, yeah, I really don't need frags. But also, frags are like hundred GMP, which is like, yeah, nothing. you might as well
1: bring those. My my recommendation is always keep at the beginning of the game, always keep your loadout below like fifteen G, and then by the end of the game, oh, yeah. it might as well be as expensive as you want.
0: Yeah, at that point, it, call in fifty fucking airstrikes a mission. You're you're fine. You're, yeah. you're fine. Although I will say this: once you unlock uh, combat deployment. Uh, I I have not had an issue with GMP since I unlocked combat deployment. Yeah, because that's a great way to get GMP really fast, and also like by not doing anything,
1: which which I actually like too, because it also sends your soldiers out to die for money, which is a nice like little. I I will say because I'm I'm a defender of the Phantom Pain thematically, not the story. I think, and especially not as a, a writer. I think the storytelling in that game is a, is just a a fucking flatline. But like, there are like fantastic visuals. There are fantastic acting moments like like physically not necessarily line delivery but like physically a lot of a lot of great moments it's a lot of good cinematography also a lot of bad cinematography but but i think more than anything else thematically i think the game is is stunning and it's just really hard to like see that because the game doesn't focus on the most interesting part of it because that part where it would have focused on it got cut in half
0: yeah and that's that's what's like so sad because that's like another thing too, cause I, cause basically there are two maps. There's Afghanistan and there's Africa, and I just got to be real. They're like kind of the same but different. <laughs> like really, Africa's like, significantly worse, I think, than Afghanistan. Oh, I agree. I so 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 far I agree. Africa's is much more flat and j- just a lot like more uninteresting. The game's all brown. <laughs> it's all brown and red and green. I I do I do like
1: the color palette of the game when when it's not. In the field, I think I think especially at night or when you're in like a building with unique lighting. <gasps> Excuse me, I think the game is gorgeous.
0: Yeah, I just wish there was more. I like it, the game. You could tell really needed like a third map. I I always
1: suggested you should go to Russia again.
0: Yeah, I would love if it was like a if it was like ice or like or like the cold or or winter. I think would be yeah. A- would be a really nice change of pace and also you'd have to equip different gear the the problem is that since
1: they're based in the seychelles um it can only be in warm climates uh but i mean you could go to like i don't know uh, what's what's close to that area i mean the seychelles like it's like a six hour flight via helicopter between your base and and like africa and afghanistan so oh oh you could go to india you could go to sri lanka and, and, uh, and the
0: Himalayas, I mean, you could go, yeah, there you there go. There we you go, go to- Himalayas, perfect. Go to the Himalayas, Very fuck it. icy, mountainous region, really could've used that to, like, really help switch it up. But, like, yeah. it, it's so fucking funny... You could talk about this game. You could you could talk about this game and lob so many complaints, most of which are like pretty justified. Yeah, certainly. You know, stories unfinished. That's true. Like the, the game definitely has some like missing elements as far as like content goes. Like my I, I messaged Miles because um, there's a mess. Uh, there's a couple of side. There's a, a string of side ups about this character named the legendary gunsmith. So one of the side ops is captured the legendary gunsmith. And when you do that, uh, cause comes on the radio and he says, boss, uh, that was just the apprentice. So then you get another mission called, what the fuck was it? Captured the legendary d- gunsmith again. And I said, this is the most indicative, l- l- like, like n- side op name ever. And then you complete that mission and then you do it again. And it's called <laughs> capture the legendary gunsmith yet again. And it's like, Oh my God. Oh my God. do they know? Did they know it was this a joke put in last minute? But let me just say, eliminate the heavy infantry seventeen really hits different, bro. That's my favorite
1: one. I, I do like really hits I, different. Un, unironically, I do have a favorite side op. What what is your favorite besides the animal rescue ones? Uh, the animal rescue ones are really fun. My my favorite side op is eliminate the tank unit thirteen
0: uh why (laughs) why that one because
1: it's in one of my favorite bases it's in detati abandoned village um where you where you get the the that's where you extract the walker gears mission 15 Mm. footprints of phantoms that's a great map yeah um and then there's a bunch of shit including a helicopter and they're all red so they
0: all take a bunch of damage i'm like this is nuts damn fuck the game is so good it really is like the the first game in like a genuinely like a long time to really like capture my brain. And 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 it'd be like, man, I can't wait to go back home and play more Metal Gear Solid 5. There it is. And I can't wait to get the mobility upgrade so Snake runs at like 30 meters per second. It's so good. Please, this game goes on sale all the time on Steam for six bucks. Like, they sell it for fucking pennies, and it's so good, and you're going to get a lot out of it. Even if you're not a stealth guy like me, I think there's still a lot of fun to be had in the fact that half the shit you're doing that the game considers stealth and non-lethal is by no means stealthy or non-lethal, like dropping a tank on someone.
1: Yeah, it doesn't kill them the first time. And they can bleed yeah. out on the ground, and that's not your fault, according to the game. So I, I, did, I actually prepared something for this, because I knew you okay. wanted to talk about the Phantom Pain. And I prepared a little something for this, because I consider The Phantom Pain to be a stylish game. Is it a stylish action game? Let's find out. Because I, I created what I call the stylish action game alignment chart. Similar to the sandwich
0: alignment chart. Wait, what's the sandwich alignment chart? The sandwich alignment chart is
1: deciding what is and isn't a sandwich.
0: Can you send this over to me?
1: I can same, But but I'm, I'm going to explain it for our audience, because... Yes, you know. I just... I
0: want the visual to go along with it.
1: Yes. So, the sandwich alignment chart is a chart that utilizes two matrices, which is uh, structure and ingredients. Those are okay. the two things that decide what is or isn't a sandwich. Now, a structure, structure involves whether you, or not you think that the bread needs to be two separate pieces, the bread needs to be... Uh, have an opening of some kind. Yeah. Or the bread need merely be wrapped around ingredients. So, like, for example, a sub is a sandwich, even though it's not, you know, even though it's not two separate pieces of bread, because ultimately something is tucked into them. Uh, the container must be on either side of the toppings, but not necessarily two separate pieces. Or a uh, structure can contain any food enveloped in any way by containing uh, in, in any way by a containing food. And then the ingredients is must have classical sandwich toppings, which are savory things. Can contain a broader scope of savory ingredients, but the key is it has to be savory, or can contain literally any food uh, product sandwiched together. So at the at the far end of extremist, uh, we have structure purist and ingredients purist, which is that a BLT is a sandwich, and at the far end of structure rebel and ingredient rebel, a pop tart is a sandwich. Everything in between is is uh, you know is, is varying degrees of of uh, of those basically.
0: Yeah, it just depends on however however you, you view it, basically, where you land on the sandwich alignment chart. Now, what is your character action alignment chart? So I just want to say shout-outs to
1: friend of the podcast and friend of mine, Molgar. Adrian, love you, bro. You're cool. You're great. He, uh, he he better listen if he's a friend of the show. He's listening. He always does. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, right. shout-out. Yeah, no, we were talking about Super Mario 64 after our discussion, uh, and he was especially oh, kind of into, like, the, the discussion we had about theoretical- Wait, wasn't this
0: the guy that called me a little bitch for not liking movement in Super Mario? <laughs> yes, <Metroid> it was! <laughs> and he was right! Okay, he does listen.
1: Yeah, but, uh, but yeah, we were talking about theoretical depth versus applied depth. Um, the theoretical depth of Mario 64 is greater than the applied depth of Super Mario Bros, but there is little to no applied depth. In Super Mario 64 because that game can be beaten by a fucking baby so we discussed our two matrices which is uh genre and execution and slash skill we have a uh, genre purist only games whose primary focus is stylish combat against enemies in a 3d arena this is devil may cry right devil may cry bayonetta Th- wonderful 101 as long as the, the point is arena 3d going between <laughs> encounters fighting dudes with and and again this is only genre this is only like the structure of the game genre neutral is any game with stylish combat of some kind regardless of format or genre mixture this is something like kingdom hearts tales of symphonia or any tales game really uh or other like beautiful joe and okami um game uh, fairy bloom freesia what about uh, like like god of war God of War, well, that, yes, God of War does count, um, to some extent, but that depends on where you land on the other chart of execution, but God of War okay. would count, um, the God of War, like, game, the the most recent one, especially, or, uh, or as another weird example, um, like, something like a beat-em-up, where there's an aerial component, like River City Girls. Though that might, I don't agree, but that might fall into genre wacky, which... Is any game with enough options for two players to be equally stylish? Format is irrelevant. So two separate players have enough options to do two separate things, and both of them are equally impressive to a to an onlooker. So genre wacky is going to depend on what you think of uh, of style. And so, for example, we we said Mario sixty four is genre wacky because yeah. the speed run for Mario sixty four is really fucking impressive. Yeah. But it doesn't involve fighting enemies. I also said uh, Metal Gear Solid 3 could, could count uh, as well. And you might be saying, why not Metal Gear Solid 5? Because that also falls into, uh, well, that is also genre wacky, but that also falls into another thing that I came up with, which is, of course, execution and skill. So there's Execution Purist, which is only games with the significant dexterity or skill requirement apply must exist both at the control level and at the in-game options level, which includes unique reactions like a stagger or a juggle. M- yeah, you know, weapons with different move types, uh, you know, things like that. Um, so obviously, ex- execution purist, is Dev- Devil May Cry, Bayonetta, Wonderful 101, the things we already outlined. So Devil May Cry, One o- Wonderful 101, Bayonetta is genre purist, execution purist. Neutral, execution neutral. Execution is less important than the enemy responses and options. Streamline controls and impressive in-game results are what are what matters. Uh, so this would be where MGS5 would land. Since MGS5's okay. controls are very streamlined and, and you don't really have to be like a fucking god on your controller or keyboard if you're crazy. You can just, you know, all that matters is that the things that you, the, the, the efforts that you put in produce really entertaining and stylish results. But there is still a, a level of, of, of skill required and of in-game knowledge. That's the other thing is that, is that the game and the system allow for it. There are unique reactions. There are different stimuli that you can do. There's lots of funny things that enemies can react to. There's lots of options as opposed to just yeah. execution. And then execution wacky, which is execution is totally irrelevant, as are the uniqueness of enemy reactions, as long as the play as long as the player looks flashy to onlookers. So that might be Kingdom Hearts, Kingdom Hearts 3 in okay. particular. Or um another example we came up with. This is so genre purist and/or genre neutral execution wacky is Kingdom Hearts 3. Okay. So I want to I want to I want to kind of highlight a couple of these. So genre purist, g- execution purist, very obvious, right? Devil May Cry Bandit, uh, you know, all, all the ones we've uploaded, or Gen- er, all the ones yeah. we have covered. Genre neutral execution purist is Beautiful Joe, Fairy Bloom, Freesia, Okami, things like that. That still have a very yeah. uh, that still very high skill ceiling and require you to really be kind of uh, impressive on your controller. I've uh, some people are saying ghosts of Tsushima. I don't know. Uh, genre wacky execution purist is. Um, doom eternal it's metal gear solid 3 it's super mario 64
0: yeah no doom eternal is something i would definitely consider in in like a in a character action sense because you are doing pretty crazy stuff i think the execute like high skill again high skill ceiling well but it also
1: Um, it also involves high dexterity on a mouse and keyboard
0: yeah high dexterity with a mouse and keyboard as well as um uh enemy uh uh states are really right. important in that game too.
1: So yeah, so you have, that's genre wacky, but execution purist.
0: So mm-hmm. we have
1: genre purist execution neutral, and this would be something like astral chain or near automata. Maybe, maybe closer into maybe verging into genre neutral. Cause those are, but let's, let's say uh, for the sake of argument, um, something like MGR, where that game really isn't that hard to execute cool things with. Like the parry is, is just cool on its own, but it's still in the genre. So something like Metal, yeah, Metal Gear Rising. That's
0: definitely, yeah, genre. Yeah, Rising is definitely genre purist uh, execution like mid.
1: Execution neutral, yeah. Um, execution neutral, excuse me. M- MGR is definitely that. Oh, and another execution purist genre wacky is obviously Vanquish. That's, a, that's obviously the big one. And then we have genre wacky, execution wacky. And the one that I came up with was The Last of Us because have you
0: seen the amount of last of us style play videos there are in the world uh no but you know what's another game that actually falls in this category what the original watchdogs yeah sure has some insane john wick shit <laughs> you could do yeah uh,
1: Watch Dogs too i've seen a lot of those um some would argue hitman as well i i've seen people argue like the hitman games but but that is genre wacky execution wacky, where where the skill skills completely irrelevant as a genre as long as it looks cool. So genre neutral execution wacky would be or execution neutral, depending on who you ask, Kingdom Hearts 3. You can you can think of it like this. Execution purism is both execution on the controller and execution on the part of the machine. What are the enemy what are the enemy reactions? What do they allow you to do? What do these maps allow you to do? You have to be capable of both. So for example, execution purism not just it's not just about asking you to do a technically impressive combo. The game also needs to have multiple states. Let's say some mid-air states. Different kinds of struggle, you know, or stagger states and juggle states. This is why okay. Devil May Cry 5 is considered in- inferior to 4 by, like, hardcore players. Because 5 has has lots of micromanaging of the controls. There's lots of the the physics are a little more, like, organic, as opposed to 5 where the controls are a little more stiff. There's, like, no reversals in 5. Things like that. So uh that that would count as execution purism, though five is still execution purist because to a layperson, yeah, that asks a lot of you, versus execution neutral, where the vanda not that hard to execute in, but the game still has those states.
0: how we we're, we're so so obviously one of my favorite character action games, probably my favorite character action game, God hand, yes, is definitely execution high execution purist certainly execution purist excuse me i i think as far as like execu- yeah it's I, i'm thinking on a skill level yeah uh, so excuse me but like yeah so obviously execution purist is that genre neutral
1: no i think it's genre purist because you could consider the various moves and the various roulette moves different kinds of of weapons or different kinds of loadouts and the game even tells you oh this has a juggle state oh this has a stagger state like it acknowledges the things that you can do and and I think that ultimately, since the game is focused on go into the next room, beat some people up, and do a good job, and don't die, that does count as genre purism. Um, I debated saying genre purist has a rating system, a ranking system, uh, but I decided to nix it because ultimately that mm-hmm. would that would not include God Hand or you know something like that. Even though God Hand ultimately does fit all the genre criteria, and technically it does rate your performance. It just doesn't do it with, with the, the Devil May Cry Bayonetta uh, letter rank or, or, you know, gold rank or whatever.
0: Which is, yeah, definitely. And even, like, uh, in the, like for the ranking in fucking Metal Gear Solid Five it's a bunch of bullshit that S stands for speed and nothing else. Uh, because if you be- it stands It stands for speed or it stands for style. No, it stands for fucking speed because if you saw if you saw my mission 16 run today, I still got an S rank when I should have got a fucking F, not even a, a an achievable letter rank in that game. That's how bad that fucking run was. <laughs> a comedy of error, a comedy of error.
1: Yeah, speed speed is definitely um I think unbalanced as far as that goes. I think the payout for speed should be uh like, I don't know, let's say only like Ninety thousand. because
0: i'm gonna be real i'm not gonna complain because i really want 100 percent this game and i don't think that would be possible without the speed <laughs> boys that's fine that's fine dude um <laughs> i'm not gonna complain i just think it's hysterical that like it's like yeah how do you get an s rank it's like uh forget about your morals and just beat the mission fast yeah take d walker and, <laughs> and just
1: gun it so that was that was really all i wanted to talk about on that front Okay, Samuel, what have you been what have you been watching recently? what 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 what's been up with you? What have you been watching? I'm really
0: glad you asked what I was watching because I've been watching I've been, I I went I went I returned to the past uh a returned days to the ago. past. <laughs> now. I returned to the past now a couple days ago because i I forgot what happened. I think I was smoking weed, which I think by the way, let me state this, I think I'm open most stories on this show. By saying, so I was, you know, I just <laughs> took a hand of my fucking vape some bullshit. But no, I was, uh, I, was, I was just chilling out one day, flipping through my phone. And I have no idea what compelled me or what, how I stumbled on it. But I found out that all of Code Lyoko is available to watch on YouTube. Uploaded on the Code Lyoko official channel. All 95 episodes plus the, the, the prequel uh, hour film they did. So I was like, oh shit. Now to preface this, I fucking love, co- loved, co- co- <laughs> yeah, I was about, <laughs> about to me, say, I was let like, me, amend that shit right Let me add that, that right D, de- let me add that deep. Uh, I loved Kolyoko growing up as a kid. Me too. I, it was my favorite, it was one of my favorite
1: shows of all time growing Dude,
0: up. Dude, I mean, I gotta be honest, I gotta show, throw huge respect to that Miguzi block. I mean, everyone shits on Canadian, Canadian anime because it's hysterical. And it should be shona. Well, I no, for that's sure.
1: well don't don't call it Canadian anime, call it manga as we agreed. Manga. It's, manga. It's, as we agreed, it's manga. Yeah, manga. Uh, Wait, it's I, I manga, love... manwa manga. Manga.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: so or um or what's 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 the other one? Anime. Anime, yeah. yeah I grew up, like, yeah, I guess I guess Jap- Japanese, anime is... Yeah, Japanese anime is anime. <laughs> as as <laughs> as weebs like to say, they like I I have heard like anitubers be like yeah so i was watching this anime and i was like i need you to kill
0: yourself <laughs> uh <laughs> i need you to end your own life today but uh but anyway so so i i grew up as a kid watching the Magoozy block on cartoon network every day after school which was if you all remember from four to six if you were in central time like me it was totally spies code lyoko tmnt the 2003 uh show and then uh Teen titans which I grew up watching all that. Never got into t- uh, TMNT. I don't know what about those turtles just didn't do it for me. But every, every, everything else I loved. Loved Totally Spies growing up. I uh, loved KoLioko. I uh, loved Teen Titans. Um, and, I, and I just had, a, I remember having an extreme fondness for KoLioko. I like the world. I like, you know, I, I, it was just a cool, it was just cool because they go into a video game world, basically, and they right. go fuck off. And I like video games, so it was sick. So I'm like, oh, I'm just going to watch this. I'm like, all right, I'm just going to boot this up. And I watched about, like, 29 episodes. <laughs> I watched, like, a significant amount of this fucking show. And, oh, oh, man. <laughs> it's bad. Like, it's really bad,
1: guys. Oh, it sucks. I I, I I, like to return to the past now as well, as I've mentioned. And, like, I remember having a similar feeling with Martin Mystery, where I loved Martin yeah. Mystery growing up. And then I was like, okay, this is all right. Like, it's not as good as I remember, but it's pretty good. And I was expecting a similar feeling with Code Lyoko, where I was like, "All right, this is fine, like, you know, it's cute, it's whatever. And then I watched it, Sam told me to watch it. And I remember watching the first episode and thinking to myself, was I retarded? Also, let me say this,
0: I didn't tell you to fucking watch it. You said to watch, you was like, I'm gonna watch it too. I'm like, I don't know if you should do that, bro. You gla- you your me? glasses aren't as rose-tinted as mine, you're not going to be able to get through this.
1: No, but you have to understand, I loved Code Lyoko as a kid, too. I thought it was the coolest okay. thing ever. And so, and so I was prepared to have nostalgia for it. And I can't recall any memories I had with Code Lyoko other than liking it. And thinking Ulrich was cool because he looked vaguely like Link. Uh, which was my criteria for c- cool characters back then. Do they so, look
0: vaguely like Link, a.k.a. do they wear green? And do they have anime hair? So here's the deal. I have like so much to say about Kodiyoko. It's like hard to start s- start. So let me actually let's break down. Let me break down the general plot conceit because I think we have some other Zoom. I think most most of the people who listen to this are like Zoomers or like younger millennials. So yeah, let me just in case you didn't watch this show growing up. You're lucky, I guess. Uh, your time wasn't fucking wasted. Basically, the conceit of the show is that. At a junior high boarding school in France, in France, this super smart kid named Jeremy—how Spe- does it? How's it spelled, Sam? How's it spelled? Uh, it's spelled with an I E in the first season, and then they change it to a Y in the uh, in season two and beyond because uh, they realized it was fucking stupid. <laughs> uh, so Jeremy goes to uh, an abandoned factory and stumbles on a supercomputer. He turns it. He boots up the supercomputer. And he finds out that inside, housed in the supercomputer, there is a virtual world named Lioko. And on Lioko, there is a uh, virtual artificial intelligence, a uh, named Aelita, who has like a model. She can she can speak uh, fluently, an, an intelligent, an intelligent uh, uh, AI. Jeremy immediately starts simping for the VTuber on Hollow Live. On on Hollow Live. So now, basically. When he activated the supercomputer, he also reactivated a virus named XANA, X-A-N-A. For those who are wondering how that's spelled, it's an acronym for something.
1: Well, I I actually, I have some insight on this once you're done talking.
0: So basically, XANA wants to destroy the world, I think, or or wants to, XANA wants control. XANA is a virus, wants to take over Lyoko, wants to control
1: Earth. The important thing to also remember is that XANA doesn't have a face or a form. He just has minions.
0: It, it, they, there is, there is, it's just an entity. It's an idea, which I like. I, I do like. It's there cool. is elements of this I, st- I really like. Like, I really like XANA. I have some issues with XANA, which we'll fucking get to, um, but we're not there yet. We're still explaining it. So basically what happens is inside, and also too inside the factory where the supercomputer is being held, there are also uh, scanners that can transport you into the virtual world and get virtualized. So basically through a series of mishaps and stuff, Jeremy teams up with Ulrich, Odd, and Yumi. Who become sort of the uh, Leoka warriors as they dub themselves. Because basically what happened, the, the plot of the show is that XANA will launch an attack. Ailida is the only, in, in order to stop an attack, they have to deactivate a tower somewhere in one of the four sectors of Lyoko. There's a bunch of towers. They have to, Ailida has to go in and deactivate a tower. She's the only one who can do it. However, Ailita has no offensive capabilities. So any enemy, any of XANA's monsters in Lyoko can fuck her up. That's why they need to send in Odd, Ulrich, and Yumi to Lioko to basically be her fucking bodyguards and her meat shield, so she can get into the tower. Which I love. I actually fucking love that. It's a great, it's, it's a fucking great idea. And there's a couple a scenes where like, there's a couple of episodes where they'll get lead into the tower, but they didn't take out all the monsters and they'll just be like, all right, cool, take me out. Don't care, she's in. Like, oh, we're done, we're done. So Odd Ulrich and Yumi go into the, uh, will go in to Lioko to sort of be her bodyguards and to, and to help her out. And then once a tower is deactivated, Jeremy in the pre it's explained in the prequel, he finds a program that once a tower is deactivated, they're able to return to the past back in time before the attack took place. So it, and he, within
1: 24 hours of the of the event. Okay. And, and for some reason, if you die in the game or no, not really. No. So, so if you die in the 24 hour span that
0: this happens, you're dead for good. Somehow, you're dead for good. So, that, so let's break this down. Anytime there's time travel, shit gets fucky. So let me, let me ask you this. Uh, uh, I almost called you Jeremy. <laughs> I, I noticed. Uh, let, yes. let, me, let me ask you this, Finals. Does Jeremy have to activate Return to the Past or not? Does it happen automatically or does he actively push a button to make it happen? Because there are multiple episodes when Jeremy's in direct danger. So one of the memes of this show that I fucking hated growing up as a kid and I still hate now is like what the trope I will just call the last second save. I hate this in film and movies where we got to defuse a bomb and we do it. And there's 0.001 second on the, on the detonator. Right? Right. Hate that shit. There's no way it's going to be that close. Right? Every episode really is that fucking close. Every time they return to the past. Now, usually what happens is Not all three of them will go to Lyoko to help Aelita. Usually just one or two, while another one of the main quadrant of our heroes is at the school trying to prevent or or stall the attack happening on Earth. Now, what are these attacks? Now, XANA is a computer program. And it's initially, you, you initially see from the initial... Um, attacks, and I actually have a list pulled up of the attacks from the first like twenty or so episodes. Okay, okay. that we'll read through just to give our audience a re- a good idea of the shit they're doing. So, the first, like, a couple of the ones that happen are like Xana tries to des- destroy the school by launching a nuke. They try, you know, it tries to take control of two buses to contrast it. Uh, they, he takes control of a bus to blow up a petroleum station in the area. Um, There was another one where they controlled two trains that had toxic chemicals on it to explode. But then Xana will just be like, we'll take over an army of bees. Or like take over a swarm of rats.
1: I'll infect a teddy bear with no I'll, uh, computer I'll parts. I'll take a
0: fucking a teddy bear and, ma- and I'll make it big. I'll, I'll, I'll make an army of a, a poison smoke cloud, dude. That that that's the one people. that got me. Where I was like, what? <laughs> what is xana What? What are the extent of xana's powers? Because let me make this clear too. While and I want to say this now, not only does xana can xana affect shit in the real world. She can also send a monster, or he, excuse me, XANA can also send monsters on Lyoko. Another aspect of the show I really like, in the first season, Ulrich, Odd, and Yumi are fucking garbage at taking out the fucking enemies. (laughs) Yes. They're so incompetent. And it's like, are you kidding me? Like, XANA said, two blocks this time. They're not, the blocks are easy enemies. This should not be a problem. Yet they always get fucked. Uh, and Odd's horrible. Odd can't fucking fight for
1: shit. Which is funny, because Odd is the one who ends up in the computer the most often, I think. Yeah, he, I he's think... He's in every... Like, there's so few episodes where Odd is not there, is not
0: available to help Aelita. Exact, exactly. A very, yeah, and, like, I was thinking, in the first season, Odd's only in danger, like, two or three of the episodes. He's only in, like, the immediate danger outside that, let's, of... Let's say Leopold. that
1: Xana has a target in every episode right or someone yeah. who stays behind and they're the ones who are in danger in the mortal realm because in if you die in the game you're fine in real life
0: it, yeah except except if you fall off the earth to so into the digital sea if you sp- fall into the digital sea you're er, you're you're uh, you're er, er, eradicated you're gone you're exiled you're to your exiled dimension. to the digital
1: dimension. So so I I actually there's a couple things I wanted to talk about uh with this show. Okay. And this is this is my this is my perspective as someone who's who's studious about these kinds of things, so to speak. So the first thing is I realized growing up that we did not have men on TV. We had simps. We there was no such thing as a as a, a boy on TV who was a good, decent role model about here's how you here's how you find some you know, if you like someone, here's the way to go about that. Here's the best way to handle that. You know, you should, uh, you know, you should, you should ask them out at an opportune time. Just ask them to the movies. Don't make up a wacky scheme. Like, growing up, we had Timmy Turner, who would literally waste fucking wishes on this bitch Trixie Tang, this stupid, dumb cunt Trixie Tang. (laughs) You had, you had like Ned. First of all, shout outs to Ned Bigby. I love that man. I love Ned Bigby, but uh, he like. Fucking simp for Susie Crabgrass, and he would like try to get his schedule changed so he could sit next to
0: Susie Crabgrass. Yeah, where he would like mad simping, mad yeah, simping. Now simpin'. let me say, Jeremy is the biggest simp of all, and let me tell you why. Because earlier on, when I explained the initial plot conceit of the show, you might say, "Well, Sam, Zayn is on the computer. Just turn off the computer. <laughs> like, just turn it off." They could do that, except turning off the supercomputer would also kill Ailida. So they're trying, so Jeremy is trying to de virtualize his fucking e girl. He's trying, that's how hard this man is simping. He is literally risking his friends, his school, the entire earth, so he can virtualize, materialize, Lyoko's version of, de- materialize, de virtualize, version of fucking Corona. Like, it's so hysterical. And, like, when, you, when you're older, you just realize how fucking contrived it is, especially when Aileen is like, yeah, turn the fucking computer off. Like, multiple times she's like, this is bad. Like, you guys are, you guys almost died. Just shut it off. I'm not, that, I'm not that important. They all want to make it happen. And then Odd and Ulrich and, and Yumi also grow to care about Aileen. So they're also personally invested in. Yeah. But at
1: first, it's just Jeremy. But at um, first, it's just Jeremy. Yeah so so here here are the simps here are the simps in the show so we have odd who simps a new girl basically every week at one point there's there's this uh this this smoking hot dark chocolate babe who uh he um i think her name is sam samantha or something like that yeah Um, yeah he she wants to produce music and so she's like i need a super powered computer and i thought i'll give i'll give odd some credit I thought he was going to take her to the super calculator in the basement of the factory and be like, this is the best computer in the world. You can make your music here. And she would fuck up horribly. But instead, he tries to help her steal a laptop that's school property and almost gets expelled for this chica, for this this delicious piece of Bavarian chocolate. So uh, the next time he simps for some other chick, I don't know, Uh, Ulrich, who simps for Yumi so much... That he
0: can't just tell her? Because, again, we did not grow up with men on TV. We grew up with simps. I don't... Here's the deal. So, I'm on season two right now. And I'm going to keep watching it because I will say this. The second... Because spoilers. It it gets Around episode 20... I think in episode 25, they successfully materialize Aelita into the real world. The show gets immediately better. Like... It's almost night and day. It's that, and then when they unlock Sector 5 is also, like, fucking actually sick. I was actually going to mention that after this as a big sort of surprise,
1: but you ruined that, so thanks. Oh, sorry. I was trying to do a storytelling thing here, but uh, thanks. But anyway, so so then there is Nicholas and Herb, who are simps for the show's lady simp, Sissy.
0: Yeah, now... Fuck it! Sissy's a simp too! Yes. Fuck! She simps Ulrich. Minority report, everybody
1: simps, dude. Oh yeah. my god. Including Yumi, who simps for Ulrich. So much so that Yumi gets unreasonably emotional when Ulrich is near anyone else with a vagina. If there is <laughs> if there is literally a, a fucking female within a, within a five foot radius, Yumi is like, are you playing games with me? Now let me because you do really Ulrich does feel the same about thing. Me, did you get
0: to did was William introduced where you got to? Yes, he's in season oh, two. Yes, yeah. There, there's there's some shit there too. Because here's the deal.
1: Well, he starts like stalking her.
0: Yeah. Well, once you get to around like episode like twenty two, twenty three, it's like up in the air. It's like okay, so are Ulrich and Yumi dating or not? Because it no, sounds just, like they
1: are. They're just weirdly invested in each other, where to a point where they want to be exclusive, but. So it, it is a kaguya sama love is war situation where where they just they refuse to admit it for some reason because in kaguya sama it's it's a gamble then, of there's, power. A, there's
0: a there's it's pride it's pride
1: and power and also that shows a comedy it's
0: yeah, funny it's a joke like yeah. we're supposed to point and laugh how fucking stupid these high school kids are in kaguya yeah, that's why and it how works. dumb it is
1: and then yeah. instead uh, they th- be, and here, here's the reason that they don't, they don't do it. I, I made a list of reasons. Okay.
0: There's a couple reasons why they don't do it. All right. Number one, drama. Drama as in like, okay, hold on. Is, is this, is this why Ulrich and Yumi don't get together in the context of the show or in, yes, the, context in the context of the of show? They don't want to cause drama in the group or the oh, no, writers no, in the didn't context, want to cause in drama? In the context
1: of the writer's room of the show.
0: Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes.
1: Um, they, no, there is no reason why they don't do it, especially because it's obvious they have feelings for each other and they have admitted they, they kiss at the end of at the end of the season one finale. Yeah. And then time is reset and they just don't talk about it.
0: They just don't get together because everyone that's been, everyone that's been materialized on Lyoko keeps their memories after return to the past. So why don't they just get together? They don't. Also, I, can I just say Jeremy's voice gets worse <laughs> every season? I think I, 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 here's the deal. Yumi is probably the wor- worst. Oh, Yumi's the worst. A bad actress. There's some like line. Cause here's the deal. I, I have like a, I don't, really, I don't really talk about, whenever I do any criticism of anything, I don't really talk about voice acting too much just because I'm, not that, I'm just not that knowledgeable about it. Yeah. But there's a base level of quality that I expect, and if you hit that, I'm like, fine. This falls well, this show falls well below that base multiple fucking <laughs> times an episode. Like, there's some line reads that are like, oh, you couldn't have done that again. We could not have gotten another take. It's head to wave ocean.
1: It's really bad. There, there's one scene where Yumi screams three times in a row. It's, it's just like the first season's so rough. It's, it's heinous. like so rough. I think, I think the other problem too is like attacks don't start happening until literally the midpoint of the episode. It's like really bad. Yeah, usually because I remember the first episode had at least a decent build up, and I was like, I, I'm my writer brain. I was listening yeah. to this, and I was like, oh, I see the strings. Like when, when uh, what's her face? The little girl who's the reporter. Um, uh, Millie, Millie. Yeah. Millie's like, I hate all those big kids. I hate grownups. I hate everybody. I hate you. And she says it to her best friend and I was like, yeah. okay. Here's what's going to happen. The episode is titled Teddy Godzilla. She's got a teddy yeah. bear. The bear is going to get infected by Xana, and she's going to be, like, riding on top of the teddy bear, and she's like, now I'm big. I'm a big girl, unlike you guys. You know, I'm. Yeah. Uh, you think you're so great. I'm taller than you. Like, it, like one of these things where, where her, her character arc is she's vindictive about her age and her height and being treated like a kid, and now mm-hmm. she's powerful, and she's got this powerful teddy bear, you know, bodyguard or whatever, and, yeah. and they have to kind of talk her off the ledge and be like, you know, like you're in danger. That that's Xana, he is a teddy bear. He's possessed. And then at the end, Ulrich treats her like an adult, and and uh, and that sol- solves the problem. They, that didn't happen. Instead, Mid- Millie is angry and worthless and sucks. Um, and instead, the the bear just kind of attacks everything. And it's it's about prom queen. It's prom queen drama, even though that's like. Not the point, it's about this girl and her teddy bear. So like immediately it's just like the most obvious writer's room decisions that you could make. They just didn't make them. And like, here's the thing, sometimes you gotta subvert your expectations, you know, as they say. Uh as about the last Jedi, the greatest film to ever screen. <laughs> the greatest movie ever made. Um the, the greatest it's so great because nothing that you expect to happen logically occurs that which is why Code Leoke is fantastic because all these basic decisions that fucking Toddlers could come up with don't happen in the show. So so like just really obvious shit It's just a rough season and and at first it's like okay He can infect machinery and then it's like he can infect rats and
0: bees it, it don't, it, It's not clear. It's not clear. You think that there needs to be some kind of electrical tech element to it but it doesn't. The, the 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 virus can control bees. So then so the other
1: thing is that uh there's a character named Jim who is like the you know he's the gym teacher uh and, yeah, and he's yeah, like Jim always you kids are always stupid around. I'm going to find out your secret. He's, he's like the 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 Mr. Crocker of the show. Yeah, yeah. And and uh and and like, there's an episode where he finds out about Lyoko and he's like completely and totally on
0: board with what the kids are doing. Yeah. And then they well, don't well, tell you, him Wait, Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's back this up. Credit, credit to where credit's due. Cause this is like one of the, the one of the three episodes I like in season one. Yeah, Agreed. And this, by the way, this is a two parter. So it's technically like one of like two episodes I like. Basically he loses his job and Jeremy's like, bro, if you help me out. I will get you your job back. That's why he, he goes and helps them.
1: Sure. But I mean, they could have done it. They probably could have convinced him. But uh, but yeah. And so the other thing that's important, uh, I, there is another episode I really liked and I'm trying to remember what it was and now I forget it.
0: Uh, what is it? The uh, I, I like the, in the other episode I like from season one, it, probably also the same same one maybe you liked is where Jeremy tries to virtualize himself. That is a great episode. Yeah, oh, that's and- a great episode. Because Zanna uh, doesn't attack. The, the, <laughs> another the great episode, Xana though, team. is
1: is when was when Zanna puts everyone in a virtual world, another virtual world that looks just like oh, the real yeah.
0: world. That's that's to me. That's in season two because I believe Aelita's already. No, she's not. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's also another fantastic episode. Yeah.
1: So I'm going to keep watching cuz I actually liked a lot of what I saw with season 2. It has that cartoon problem and this is something I fucking hate. Is that cartoon problem of like, oh well, we got to give them upgrades so we could sell toys, so they like make them a bunch of like vehicles, like very very marketing kind of shit. And I and yeah. I just it, don't like this... that because it 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 sort and of just it, dis- can... it it distracts a little bit from from what made season 1 interesting cuz I liked that the Lioka warriors sucked. Um and I want to see them get better at the things that they're already
0: doing but you there is there is they do get better like i can tell like yeah the way like they've that. handled some monsters in season one or season two compared to season one they are they've improved significantly and it's not even like outwardly stated shockingly it's not yeah. outwardly stated. you can just like oh they're taking on more uh xana's monsters more harder Monsters get introduced, like the tarantula, which is like a harder monster for them to take out, and then the brain. I for- totally forgot the name of the fucking brain. It's like psycho something. There's also the mega tank. Yeah, the mega. Well, the mega tank sort of like so. The- basically, the mega tank, which, by the way, I think it's like f- the coolest fucking thing ever. Yeah, it's it's just a big ball. It's like a Kirby enemy. But yeah, what I like of- and that's what I like about Zana's monsters. Zana's monsters feel like real game enemies yeah you have like the um you have like the um there's a little like cockroach guys like yeah the uh, cockroach the cockroaches are I think are the name in season one. they change it to something weird in like season two and on- onward. but there's like these little guys then there's blocks which are these bigger enemies, then there's crabs which you have which uh because you have to hit the, the the Xana symbol in order to destroy them yeah. on the monster and it's in different places for each of the monsters. The for the crabs, it's on top of them, so you gotta kind of have to jump on them. And for the uh, and for the mega tanks, um, they're a ball, and you can only attack it when it opens up its um, sphere to attack. And when it does, it shoots a fucking laser wall. And if you get hit by the laser ball you're it's it basically is like a one shot kill yeah. uh, 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 enemy. It's but somehow sick. Ulrich can
1: deflect it with a sword. Don't think about it too hard. Yeah, just don't. So so I but I did want to talk about. This show, because I know I have some insight into this. OK, uh, so I looked up the pilot, not the, the not the first episode, the pilot, yeah, garage kids, garage kids, garage yeah. kids. Yes. And so the thing about that is that the first episode or the, the pilot, the original name instead of Lyoko was Xanadu. <laughs> like,
0: fucking, like, like fucking like fucking like <laughs> fucking the fucking Neon Falcom series.
1: Yeah. Xanadu, which which I, I think is a it, it's, it's it's like Yggdrasil, like one of those like fantasy terms that keeps popping up. Um yeah. Nirvana, like or um something like that. So and then also Ulrich had these stupid baggy samurai pants that were fucking lame. Um so I there's another thing um that I want to talk about. I watched I watched two shows recently, and uzaki Chan, which doesn't count. Cause so so I watched I mentioned on another podcast you wanted just to watch Gabriel drop out, and I was like, yeah. I think that show is just okay. And I was like, you know what, I'm gonna rewatch it and see if, okay. if I can reevaluate. Um, and I actually, I, 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 it actually depressed me this time around (laughs) because I liked that show a lot when I watched it in 2017. And then I, I like slowly, I was like, I don't really remember anything other than Satania is cute. And, and her treatment in the show is like horribly mean and uncomfortable at times. Yeah. Well, she, well, she like, you know, she's, she's like a chuny and she like misbehaves. Like she brings it on herself, but like, it's like weird. It's like weird, vaguely uncomfortable, but I rewatched it and I was like, wow. I have never seen a single cast member carry an entire show on their back harder than Sataniki Kurumizawa Makdowell. I have never seen a character who is maybe the objectively funniest, cutest, and most interesting element of a show in my life. <laughs> like, I'm like, 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 if the rest of, like, Gabriel Dropout is, like, five or six, I guess I'd give it a six. Like, Anytime Satania is on screen, it's like an 8. It's like nuts.
0: Um, yeah, it's like, and I want to say this, like, and it does speak to, like, in, in just general, like, online anime video forum whatever culture that, like, Gabriel Dropout's been forgotten, but Satania is still, like, a meme. Like, Satania is still a character that... Frequently shows up years after the seasonal anime that she was a part of, you know, fucking came and went. But she stuck around, I think, because she carries the show so hard.
1: Oh yeah, no, it's a, like I I rewatched it and I was like, it's fucking nuts how bored I am when she's not doing things. And like even even like and that's the thing. Like and I also think it is because she gets bullied so hard. Like it it reminds me of like American cartoons where like when we were growing up, like like the treatment of like Cat Dog was like brutal. <laughs> like people people were like calling them freaks and like beating them up like and and the thing is like with satania like she's she's like annoying people and so people retaliate um yeah. or like she'll get into trouble like and that it's supposed to be like kind of like a well like she brought it upon herself kind of thing but like the tr like the the treatment of it is so clearly like anime character who gets bullied so that you feel bad for them like, yeah, it's it's one of those things where, like, it's not supposed to be funny. You're supposed to feel really fucking bad about what's happening in front of your eyes because that makes you want to protect them. The most protectable character in anything I think I've ever seen. Uh, and, and I think I have officially decided that of all the anime girls ever, I think Satania is officially my favorite anime girl.
0: Damn, that's high praise.
1: I think, yeah, I think I am willing I'm willing to, to call it that. Because I've always liked her, but like I rewatching the show, I was like, no, this character is like beyond special. Like this character is like so insanely next level. And I think it also has to do with with a voice performance that like also fucking completely dwarfs everyone else's voice performance. Mm -hmm. I think I think Naomi Ozora is like maybe one of like the most underrated voice actresses right now. But, but like, I was, I was like, I, I watched it and I was like disappointed at like, I was like, wow, I cannot believe how hard one ca- person is carrying the show. Like, it's like, w- people talk about like Zero Two, like carrying Darling yeah. or like, or like uh, Megumin. Some some people are fucking nuts and they say Megamin oh, carries Konosuba. That's... They're fucking. No, bummed. the
0: whole cast carries that fucking show.
1: Uh, that like I I think I think that's sort of a best girl syndrome. Um, but the other thing I realized because I've been I've been like looking into like I got really fascinated by Gabriel Dropout. I got really fascinated with the reception of it. Um, mm-hmm. so I discovered that the Satania Reddit, the subreddit, has ten thousand followers, which is I think twice as many as the official anime Reddit. Um, <laughs> I'm not Cetania, surprised. I I looked into this. The Satania Discord has seven thousand users, and all the other ones. Are verging on at best a thousand to a thousand to like a hundred, and the other girls are. Lo- I think the 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 other girl with the most uh followers is is Gabrielle be- or gabriel because her Reddit is like three thousand people, and it's mm-hmm. like this is nuts how like insanely eclipsed this character has over the like what a so eclipse this character has not only over the quality of the show, but but over like how much people like her and and how how much people like make fan art of her and i've realized recently Gabriel dropout fans are really fucking mean to her for that reason like they're like fucking aggressively mean to this character if they like are like i like the show not the character or like they they dislike that people like her more than the show and i'm like sorry you lost Satania team all the way you lost and it and it's it's just one of these things where it's like I- I- I've realized recently, like, I'm too smart <laughs> for- I'm too smart for cute girls doing cute things anime fandom.
0: Oh, you're I'm such too, a mega asshole, dude. I'm too intelligent you're such for a these fucking fandoms. fucking
1: asshole, dude. I'm too intelligent for these fandoms, because I recently met someone else, we were talking about Uzaki-chan, and we got really in-depth with our- with why we like Uzaki-chan. And I was like, I think the thing that's cool about Uzaki-chan is in this recent trend of characters who are- we're supposed to like because they're bullies or teasing, there's an equal dynamic of power between Uzaki-chan and Sakurai that isn't all that present, and both characters are also kind of rude to each other in two very different ways, um, yeah. which makes them interesting as far as, like, a power dynamic goes. And I also like that when it comes to teasing, one of the most obvious etchy tropes is that she's, you know, she's, she's clearly got, like, she's well-endowed, obviously, and, like, there's a scene where Sakurai grabs her breast by accident while trying out a VR machine. And he's like, what is this? Is this an octopus? Because he's, like, underwater in the VR yeah. thing. And, like, you expect her to, like, smack him. And, like, the VR headset flies off. And she just, like, blushes. And the woman's like, are you okay? And she's like, very okay. And, and so, like, like it, it reminded me of that famous Lee Alexandra, or Lee Alexander, whatever her name is, um, article about Bayonetta and how Bayonetta mm-hmm. is, like, sexualized, but the thing is that she's doing it for her own amusement, and she doesn't necessarily give a fuck about whether or not it attracts people. Yeah. And Uzaki-chan is kind of the same way, but also in that she's teasing people because she also knows Sakurai is a prude. But, like, hmm. for example, she refers to her breasts as opai. Yeah. <laughs> like, which is not common. So, so they're, like, it, we got, like, really into this, re- this weirdly in-depth discussion about, like, deconstructing this fucking garbage character. And, like, <laughs> And, and, like, how she compares to these other, like, like Nagataro, who I think is very one-note. And, and, like, we got weirdly into it, and people were like, it's not that deep. And I was like, it is that deep! <laughs> it can be if you think! I, it, it's, it's one of these, it, like, I, 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 feel the, I feel similarly about people who are like, Ocarina of Time has no story, there's no themes, it's as deep as Mario 64. Like, I'm like, I'm too smart for you! <laughs> I'm too smart for you. Like, and I, and I, and look, there are people who are intelligent. There are people who can, like, break down the comedy of these things or the character tropes of these things or who can analyze these things. But I think the vast majority of cute girl is doing cute things anime fans. I just fucking dwarf them in intellect (laughs) in the same way that Satania dwarfs them in popularity. And that, it's, 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 it's like, it's one of these things where, like, I try to interact with them And they're retarded i'm like they're so fucking stupid uh and it and it's infuriating to me as a big brain god how how
0: you can't you don't have these people who think about these things i think i'm i have a brain and i use it
1: and I just want people who think as much as I do about everything. It does not matter what it is. I want you to think about it. And like and that's my beef, Samuel. That's my beef. My beef is that I'm too smart for these people.
0: Um I'm just thinking of that I'm just thinking of that fucking Wojak meme where it's him and it's and it's a brain chair and he's sitting on his chair that's yeah. all his brain. He's like sipping wine. That's fucking you right now.
1: I like talking I'm, about how look,
0: good Uzaki Chan is
1: it's we we got really in depth into it. we were like Uzaki Chan really is the modern woman <laughs> like we we got we got really into the well, i didn't we didn't actually say that, but we got really into like discussing like how how common like a lot of these like anime type characters are like that Uzaki is like the annoying girl who won't leave you alone, but really you like her, so it's cute and it's it's i I find it very interesting in that like there is this clear dynamic, like, where it, it, the, the, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do a deep analysis real quickly on, on the OP for chan one of the lyrics is literally Seesaw Game, and that's the point, is that the balance of power is a Seesaw, where both characters occasionally hold the other one in the palm of their hand.
0: It's literally fucking Kaguya-sama, dude. Literally, (laughs) literally Kaguya-sama.
1: But but the but the difference is that Uzaki is clearly always the one who manipulates these situations. Yeah, Sakurai follows along, but occasionally he figures out a way out of them or a way to make her regret entering the situation. And it, and it's very light, like the like if uh, like the Nagataro San like bullying is like nuts. So it's very very kind of basic like story. Um, and uh and and it is very funny to me because um the like. There, there is an Uzaki-chan element where clearly she's a wish-fulfillment character, but at the same time she's also kind of fully fleshed out in a way that mm. I, I'm, I'm more impressed by than I think I would be if I didn't expect the show to be garbage. Keep in mind, I literally watched it for Satania's voice actor to see what her performance would be like, and I was like, oh, I'm into this. Uh, I like, yeah. This is fun, I'm enjoying it. And, and, and so there's this weird, and like they're in college, for example, like...
0: It's a nice change of pace.
1: Yeah, there's all these little nice changes of pace that that I really like about it, where it's it's not it's things we've seen before, but done done in ways that are are interesting to me, done in done in ways that that feel like they're not sort of in service of an audience, but more in service of of an actual work. And and I've I've just been really fascinated by that. Uh, just Uzaki-chan is just like fascinating me. And of course, people hate her because she's annoying, but you know, it's but it's cute. It's she's and she's
0: a good. A good cute girls doing cute things. K- show. Here's the thing, though.
1: K on is I would say K on won the lottery because people think critically about K
0: Fair enough. Fair. I mean, like true, true. It's, uh, it's it's like with the the Death Stranding review from GameSpot. You know, people yeah. think critically about Kojima games. Yeah. People it, people give uh 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 uh, uh yeah, a lot of cred it's, since it's kiyoani They
1: they they recognize it. Like a like a Dogakoba production is always gonna be seen as like garbage. This Uzaki chan. Yeah. Studio. I think this is their second project, and it's oh. really cheap. It looks like
0: shit. Yeah.
1: I'm sorry, guys. Your show looks like crap. You use a bunch of 3D backgrounds for everything. It looks like shit. <laughs> it's like it's actually like fucking one of the most unappealing shows. Like the backgrounds <laughs> are just like made in P <laughs> But 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 yeah, like people think critically about K on because it's Kiwani and of course they did Haruhi. Or no, they didn't do Haruhi. Who did Haruhi? Yes, they did. They did. Uh, uh, they did Lucky Keohani. Star, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. so Kiyohane has earned their cred. And it's one of these things where like, I sort of wish everyone kind of thought about all media like this. I understand that there are some things that you kind of want to turn your brain off and just enjoy. But sometimes when you turn your brain off, what ends up happening is that you actually miss out on things you could enjoy. Because you think you're supposed to turn your brain off. But occasionally, something that you think is supposed to be dumb, clean fun might actually have a lot of merit to it
0: exactly and i think and and you know what i think the best pieces of dumb clean fun like the truly the best pieces of dumb clean fun are the ones that have a lot of merit if you do dig a little deeper it's just that there it's because because dumb clean fun at its height is so effortlessly done like it's so effortless in how you know clean of an experience it is that you could just enjoy it right like i think like you know, like, like, Fulma Alka's Brotherhood is a show that is very philosophical. There's a fucking item called the fucking Philosopher's Stone, for fuck's sake. Like, there, there's a lot of elements to FMAB on, like, a deeper level, but also, if you do want to take it at a base level, it is the finest paced sh- shown in action series ever fucking made, maybe, except Hunter Hunter, but Hunter Hunter didn't finish.
1: We haven't mentioned
0: this yet, Sam,
1: this podcast but we can't not do it. I would say the same thing about Jojo. Like there, there's a lot, we've talked about the merits of Jojo on this podcast. Uh, we still haven't done our full Jojo episode, but like we've talked about Jojo before and we, and we've sort of like brought up what we think is like great about Jojo. But the reason people get into Jojo is the memes and that it's silly and weird. And then you watch it and you're like, Oh my God, I'm crying over the death of this character. Like, Oh my God. Like, jonathan joestar man what a great guy
0: dude dude i was like but
1: there there's a different focus like like when when jonathan dies the focus is on how noble he was and and how even yeah. when he's going out he shows compassion
0: compassion and right. has yeah. his brothers his his stepbrother's
1: head his in his evil arms stepbrother's head his yeah.
0: evil stepbrother yeah in and, his arms and
1: yeah and 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 you think oh my god a great man just died like a truly yeah. in- exceptional man. And then Caesar dies and it's like, and they, it's they focus br- so much on like, instant and brutal. Yeah. It's instant and brutal. And then they focus so much on the grieving aspect of it. Yeah. Everyone like seeing it. Yeah. So, so I, I just like, here's the thing. If you're, if you're going into something and you're like, I just want some dumb clean fun consider consider rewatching the episode with your brain on, you mm-hmm. know, if if you just, if you enjoyed it and you felt it, Try rewatching it a second time and, and seeing what you, can, what you can pick up on. And sometimes you're like, I, I can't. I'm struggling to pick up on something exceptional about Gabriel Dropout, and I can't. It's a fine show. It's fun, I guess. That's, that's what most media
0: up. is, dude. Most media is just okay. Yeah, that's fuck, fine. I f- fuck, I, I want to talk about my issue with like rating systems, but we're, we're out of time. We're out of time this week. We'll, we'll, that'll we'll, be we'll, for next week. That'll be next week.
1: If we can remember.
0: I'll remember. Because it's won't. been on my mind for weeks. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen everyone else that's been crack house this week at the forward operating base <laughs> which which for fucking crack house is now a big shell operation yeah if you want
1: to be a true diamond dog make sure to follow us at meek's crack house sam i took that over because i'm i'm officially venom snake i'm big boss i'm in charge yeah of this forward yeah. operating base samuel anything you want to say
0: yeah yeah i'll i'll, I'll end off with this Uh, Kazuhiro Miller is like one of my favorite video game characters ever like genuinely so much dude dude he's like the coolest fucking guy like he's so cool I just like that he's like yeah boss I'm always behind you but you cannot bring Quiet to the fucking base like she's gonna fuck us all up yeah oh and she he's so angry oh and he's so angry and like the speech he gives about the fucking arms we've lost like
1: the, 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 yeah, body, the body we've lost. lost the arms we lost that that scene is actually excellent i fucking oh, love oh it's that scene. so
0: fucking good and i don't know who voices uh kaz but whoever robin doesn't. atkin
1: downs the voice actor for travis touchdown
0: oh fuckhead
1: <laughs> yeah you just want him to say that now don't you
0: yeah dude i, I fucking i love kaz that, that's that's my those are my final words Please play Metal Gear Solid 5, The Phantom Pain. Please watch Uzaki-chan. It's really that good, I guess. <laughs> good night. <laughs> I'll watch it. I'll, I'll have some thoughts for next week. I'll, I'll watch Uzaki-chan. Anime thoughts when she opened up so wide, I got to twinkle in my eye. Asian pussy is so tight, I just really want a pipe. Oh my gosh, she got the big ass titty, she's only five. Hey, hey. Anime thighs When she open up so wide, I got a twinkle in my eye Asian pussy is so tight I just
1: really wanna pipe Oh my gosh She got them big ass titties She's only fine Bitch I'm bout to fuck this cutie So I whip out my katana And I knock this little bitch out With just one hit Like I'm Saitama Why you act like you retarded Like little bitch I don't want drama I still hit when she says no Don't understand what she don't
0: wanna Ay, Sword fighting with my penis Like I'm in a fucking dojo All these bitches want me Like my name was fucking Jojo Asian penises too tiny Like it was a no show Bitch don't watch your coochie Watch anime with the frozen, my motherfucking bitch. I might pull up, give those thighs a little motherfucking kiss. And man, if you talk to shit, tell you on a list. Yeah, your sister is my groupie. She take this anime dick. Okay, okay, like little bitch. I don't care if that fat ass is too deep. Score a bounty on that pussy. You can call me Spike Lee. Putting out fire, getting ice. Bitch, I'm Todoroki. And if you got some shit to say, then you can say it to me. Anime thighs, but she opened up so hot. I got a twinkle in my eye. Asian pussy is so tight. I just really want to pipe. Oh my gosh, she got them big.
1: Anime thoughts When she opened up so wide I got a twinkle in my eye Asian pussy is so tight I just really wanna pipe Oh my gosh she got them